Hey friends, welcome to Aromatic Chat, the podcast that introduces you to registered, clinical, and certified aromatherapists around the world. Every other week, I sit down with a different aromatherapist to learn about their aromatic journey and how they use aromatherapy in their lives and their businesses. Aromatic Chat is produced by Lemon Balm Coaching, and I'm your host, Melissa, your master transformational coach and registered aromatherapist. Welcome to podcast episode number 58, Aromatic Chat with Laura Cantelli. If you watched the Netflix series Unwell, you saw Laura in the very first episode about aromatherapy. She specializes in working with children on the autism spectrum and has seen her clients experience great success with the personalized blends that she creates for them. I have to be totally honest and let you know that I did fangirl quite a bit when she agreed to be a guest because she is someone that I look up to in the aromatherapy world. I can't wait for you to get to know her. So let's get started. Laura, thank you so much for joining me on Aromatic Chat. I can't tell you how excited I am to get to talk with you for so many reasons. Uh, one, you were in leadership with AIA when I joined as a student, and you've also been in a movie uh, that was on Netflix. What was that? It came out during the pandemic, didn't it? The Unwell yeah, series? Yeah. yeah. So Laura was one of the features in the Unwell series, um, the I can't remember which episode it was. Do you the remember? First one. It was the yeah. very first one. First one, essential oils. Yeah. And we talked about, they talked about essential oils and Laura has a very unique uh, people group that she helps with her amazing skills. So I just wanted to say all of that to say, welcome. I'm so glad you're here, Laura. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Oh, that's great. And where are you located in the world? I'm o- I'm over on Guam. Where are you? I am in Colorado. I am a little bit northeast of Boulder. Colorado. <gasps> Colorado is so beautiful. And we've been having 80 degree weather for the last week and it's been glorious. <laughs> oh my gosh. We've driven several times through Colorado. Um, my husband is from Oregon. And mm-hmm. when we were in the military, we were either up in the northeast or in the south. So we actually ended up driving through Colorado several times. And I won't lie when and tell you we just drove through. Typically, (laughs) we stopped (laughs) multiple times at different locations to just enjoy the beauty. Oh, my gosh. So gorgeous. gorgeous. It's not that I always had a hankering to live here. You know, I grew up in Chicago and I love the city. Um, I lived in North Carolina for a while, right on the coast. I mean, literally on Topsail Island. So I had, you know, the the waves at night putting me to sleep. And then I came here actually for an AIA conference before it was the Alliance of International Aromatherapists. It was Aromatics in Action. And they had their first conference in 2005. And I came out here and I had a friend who lived in the mountains who, um, you know, was gracious enough to have me as a house guest. And I fell in love with the place. And so we made a pact with a number of other people back in Chicago that within the next three to five years, we would all move to Colorado. Two two of the families dead, ours and one other dead. Um, there's another one that might still show up. Ooh. The first thing I always love to hear is your story. Like, how did you end up doing what you're doing? Tell us, uh, tell us the long story. Don't give us the short one. We want to hear the, yeah, the long how did story. You end up, how did you end up here? Some people feel like, oh, oh, it's a long story. I don't want to share it. But that's why we're here. I love the stories. I love to hear why you're doing what you're doing and, and the, the meandering path that led you here. Okay. 
Well, I think I started like a lot of people in our group started, you know, I was in two car accidents a year apart. And after the first accident, I was left with only um, 75% of the use of my back. And I was in a lot of pain. And then when I had the second accident, I was pregnant with my son and I was injured in exactly the same way. And then the doctor said, well, you only have 65% of the use of your back. And at the time, my husband and I were avid card players and we would sit and play cards every morning, every night. I couldn't sit in a chair for more than five minutes. And it was just this weird serendipity that happened after that, because a, a really good friend of mine knew an aromatherapist and had reached out to her and said, Hey, I have a friend with severe back pain. You know, can you make some massage oils for her back? And then, you know, after my son was born, I couldn't get him to go to sleep at night. And, you know, my best friend was in a bookstore that sold essential oils. There's a little blend called lullaby by the cash register. And she bought that and said, maybe that'll help. It helped us both. And then probably six months later, I realized they were made by the same person. And I said to my husband, I got to find out who this is. So I contacted my friend who knew her and he set up a, um, just a meeting. And it was, her name was Chris Reed. Um, she's a natural perfumer now. And Chris um, was teaching at a school in Chicago and she said, yeah, come on over. And I tell you what, I, it was the most aromatic place I'd ever been in. And, you know, I was just impressed with everything that was there. And that was the first I really learned about aromatherapy was from her. And I thought, wow, you know, I left there thinking this is the best kept secret ever. Why? isn't everybody using aromatherapy, you know, because the massage oil she made me, I was pain-free within minutes and it was lasting. And, um, you know, over time, it's like, just kind of, I, I didn't notice that I had back pain anymore. You know, I mean, I still did my rehab and everything, but from then on, I just became a sponge. I mean, I started out selling her products and doing home shows for her stuff. And then when I moved to the country, <laughs> I moved from the city of Chicago out to the, the country into Woodstock, Illinois. And if you've seen Groundhog Day, it's not Puxatawney. It's Woodstock, Illinois, where that was filmed. And I lived in that little town. And I was having the hardest time selling her products because of the price point. So I thought, well, I'll start making my own. But if I do that, I need to learn more. I need to be able to talk intelligently about aromatherapy. So I went to American College. Well, Back then, it was the Australasian College of Healthcare Sciences, and, and I graduated from there. I got my RA. After that, I, um, I met Shirley and Len Price. They were on the board at ACHS, and they were running our summer school course, which was the last course I had to take before graduation. And Shirley and I just had an instant connection. She became my adopted mother. <laughs> Still call her mom. And she, you know, she said, um, we would love to come to the States and teach for you. And so I organized a class in Delaware and Len taught aromatherapy chemistry and Shirley taught at the time it was called Swiss reflex therapy. It's uh, since been named aromaflexology and it's the amalgamation of reflexology and aromatherapy because she's certified in both. That led to like everything that's happened to me just like kind of organically like fell into place right after it. Um, Shirley asked me for my resume. She said she wanted to share it with her daughter, Penny, because they had a school and they were looking for teachers. And so I went to England. I became a board certified teacher for the Penny Price Academy. Wow. I came back to Chicago and opened up a satellite school uh, for the academy. 
And it stayed open until uh, 2011 when I moved to Colorado because I had to close the school when I moved here. And, you know, then when I got here, it's like, oh boy, (laughs) I have to start all over again. I mean, I'm sure a lot of the people that, you know, attended your podcast when they were starting out, it's like, how do I, I graduated now, I've hung out my shingle, why are people not knocking down my door? Right. And I found that it took probably a good six or seven years of writing articles for the local paper and women's magazines to get people to understand what it is I did. Because unlike massage therapy, where you know exactly what's going to happen when you go in the door, people don't know what to expect with aromatherapy. Right. So I had to tell them. So I, I started doing a lot of writing then, and I was doing a lot of this at the same time that I was um, volunteering with AIA. And um, I found that with anything that I do, whether, cause I used to be an interior designer. That was my, that was my career before aromatherapy. And it didn't matter what I was doing. I found that I was more successful when I could educate people. So when I was selling furniture, I learned about the furniture and the company and the quality so I could sell better. And when I worked, you know, in wallpaper and blinds, of course I learned all that. I was a better educator, which made me a better salesperson. So I always kind of gravitated towards um, the educational side and the business side of things. And so when I was with AIA, at the time we were like getting all of our foundation down. And one of the things that was most important was curriculum guidelines and education. So I worked a lot with that. And then when I um, took a brief break from AIA, I thought, geez, what do I do now? Because you know, I have this huge network of people and I know a lot of educators and I thought, oh, I'll start a journal. So then mm-hmm. I started the International Journal of Professional Holistic Aromatherapy. And so I've been uh, the editor and publisher of that since 2012. And then there was my practice. I was doing my practice alongside everything else. And I have a son who's autistic. He used to have terrible outbursts that would last 45 minutes or longer And I started using essential oils with him to get him calm, to get him focused, to help with digestion and sleep. And, and, you know, through that work, being a part of other support groups in in the autism world, I met other parents that were struggling like I was. And so I kind of shared what I did with my children or, you know, because even though my daughter's neurotypical, she's a sibling of, you know, someone who's atypical. So she had her issues as well. So it kind of just evolved that my niche and my practice um, was working with kids with special needs. I had done some work in hospice as well, because there was a hospice in Woodstock and it was a branch of a much larger hospice, one of the largest ones in the Midwest. And I had submitted a resume and they said, well, if you're a good grant writer, we'll give you a job because we need a grant to pay you. So I'm not a good grant writer, um, but I left my resume with them. And then a few years later, they called me and said, we're starting this pilot program in a children's home. And we would really like you to bring aromatherapy to the program. And it was a combination of skilled nursing and massage therapy, aromatherapy, pet therapy, music therapy, art therapy. Um, There was one other one. Can't remember what the other one is, but it was just kind of a, the, the question was, if people in hospice care can get all of these therapies at end of life, why are we not providing them for people that are in a palliative situation, but 
have, you know, life-limiting illnesses. I worked with them at the children's home and an extension of my work with the hospice, both in Woodstock and in Bloomingdale. And, you know, that kind of like really put me in a new place within the aromatherapy community because I took our research and information and started sharing that in speaking for other um, conferences in different places around the world. And then I wrote a book in there. I, I got a phone call that said, you know, there's, there's, you know, a woman, she's like the Shirley Price of Australia, and she's written a number of books on aromatherapy, but you know what? She's passed away. Her, her estate would like to re-release her books. And the publisher said they all need to be revised. I took a book and, um, you know, revised it. They published it in 2014. And um, it's being used now as a textbook in many community colleges for aromatherapy, which I'm really happy about. It wasn't the book I set out to write, but it's, it's like that moment in Under the Tuscan Sun when, you know, at the end of the movie, when, you know, the real estate agent says to her, you know, I'm, you've got your wish. You, it, you got everything you wanted. It just didn't look like what she thought it would look like, but right. she did get everything she wanted. And so did I. So it was like one thing just organically happened into another, into another, and just kind of grew. So at this point, I just wear many hats in in the community, you know, because I I'd had my work with AIA, and then I had the book, and as you mentioned, the um, the Netflix documentary, which was a fluke. I mean, they they contacted me as the director, executive director of AIA, and said, "Who can we talk to?" And I gave them everybody's name. I gave, I gave them Robert Tisserand's name and Joy Bowles. And I mean, I gave them a long list of names, but that once they heard that my niche was working with special needs kids, they just kept coming back and said, we want you to talk about this. And then they wanted me to bring one of my clients into it. So to be filmed. And I thought, well, there's all kinds of privacy laws with that. Who's going to want to do that. And then I remembered, I have a, a client with two girls who is a journalist, a freelance journalist, and she loves to put this information out there on TV and in the newspaper because she's always trying to drum up new resources for, you know, for kids in this population. And so I thought, perfect. So it was a win-win. I mean, you know, like I said, all these little opportunities just happened. Right. We'll be back after a quick break. Hey friends, if you're an aromatherapist, here's something really important that you may not have been taught in aromatherapy school. Connecting with other professional aromatherapists is really important to the health of your practice. Why? Because our brains are designed for connection. Connection, team, clan, tribe, core group, no matter what you call it, it's about survival. When you are isolated, it's easy to become discouraged and feel like nothing you're doing really matters. But when you're connected, and part of a larger group focused on the same goal, you're energized, and maybe you even feel invincible. Well, coming up September 26th through 28th, you have a chance to be a part of a community of aromatherapists at the Aromatics in Action International Conference, Embracing and Composing Sustainable Aromatics in Nashville, Tennessee, USA, brought to you by the Alliance of International Aromatherapists. The AIA is bringing together industry leaders and educators, as well as exhibitors, at their first post 
post-pandemic in-person conference. There will also be on-demand sessions to add more learning opportunities and continuing education. I invite you to visit alliance-aromatherapist.org and sign up today. That's alliance-aromatherapist.org or visit the link in the show notes and sign up today to join the AIA and be a part of the tribe. It was just the right time. And and had they gone with one of the other um, people that you had recommended, they might not have gotten that connection, that right. client connection to be able to bring bring it in and make it more personal. Sure. So sure. important when you're telling a story that you make it personal. <laughs> and if they couldn't make it personal, it's just anecdotal evidence. And that doesn't really strum the heartstrings. Right. They need for their stories to do. Of course yeah. they do. Oh my gosh. And, you know, I don't, I don't know how it was received. I mean, I know that there's people on both sides of the track that felt that maybe the, the authentic side was maybe not as um, prominent as they would have hoped it was that maybe there was more focus on, on the network, network marketing and the negative side of things, um, you know, but hopefully it, it opened people's eyes to start asking more questions, which is, yeah. that was my hope for the, for the documentary was that more people would ask more questions. I've actually been thinking I need to go back and rewatch it, you know, because um, I'm a rewatcher. Mm-hmm. I watch things multiple times because the first time I'm just gathering information, right? The next time I can go in and actually hone in on specific things, especially when we're talking about documentaries, you know, <laughs> and then finally I can go back and watch it again and like pick out very specific to takeaways, you know, I, I thought the whole documentary was done very well all through the whole series just opening up people's eyes, like you're saying, opening up people's eyes to other possibilities. But I did want to talk briefly about scent and your car accidents. Okay. We know as aromatherapists that scent kind of runs over other neurological pathways, right? So we might have a neurological pathway that associates um, my back is in pain Therefore, I react in certain ways, but then that aroma can come in and just kind of, it plows over those neurological lines, I feel like. I think for me, it wasn't so much the scent. It was, it was more just the therapeutic nature of the oils that were being used mm-hmm. um, because it was on my back and the only time I, and, and my husband applied it. So it's not like it was on my hands and I could smell it. You worry about associating a scent with the negative aspect of that. And I think what you're thinking is maybe the positive aspect of that sense, right? So for me, um, I, I didn't have any negative association with the aroma because it was blended so well. It was a number of, um, I just remember there being conifers in it and some eucalyptus maybe, but at the time, the, 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 when Chris blended it, she didn't even have a list of the oils that were used in the blend. So I didn't get that negative connotation, but it was just such a pleasing aroma. When I did smell it, I associated more of the feeling of movement Mm -hmm. with that aroma than the pain when I had to reach for it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like when we experience a trauma, Mm -hmm. like a collision, when we experience that trauma, our brain kind of gets stuck in that trauma. And we focus on the pain, the pain, the pain, the pain. And I've, you know, I've 
my mom was in chronic pain and she had journal after journal after journal of her pain because mm-hmm. her whole mind body was stuck in that trauma that she had experienced. But you had this blend come in that created relief. Mm-hmm. And now your mind body could actually reconnect and disconnect from that trauma. And um, that's exactly what happened. But it was just funny because it's not like I used it and then I was pain-free. It's like, there was always a little bit of like trace pain because it never completely got rid of all of it, but it is, but what happened for me was that, you know, and I can't even tell you if it was a week or two weeks, it's just, I just noticed I wasn't in pain anymore. I don't know at what point it actually had that complete disconnection because I never thought, okay, today I'm hundred percent in pain tomorrow. I'm, you know, then the next day I was 80. And then what I just noticed one day it was like, it's gone. I just didn't know. I wasn't fully aware of how long it had been gone because I was just living life again. Right. So you kind of touched on your niche of working Mm -hmm. with special needs kids. Could you elaborate on that? When people have a child with special needs, especially most of the kids I see have autism, there seem to be four prevalent concerns for parents, digestion, anxiety, sleep, and focus. I have a, you know, a few blends, five blends that I've put together that I generally work with um, because it's hard, especially during COVID for people to bring their kids in because their kids wouldn't wear masks and they were coming into my home because that's where my, my office is. So those, those were the things that I worked with the most. I remember one mom came in to, to me without her child and I said, but I need to see him. <laughs> I want to see the person I'm going to work with. She goes, no, you don't. I can't take him anywhere publicly because it's like Tasmanian devil went through your house. And I said, okay, I understand. But you know, I've been through this enough that I knew what questions to ask. I got a good sense of this child and I put a blend together for him. And I said, he shared a bedroom with siblings and they couldn't sleep because he didn't sleep. So I said, why not put this blend in the in a diffuser and I said run the diffuser with the door closed for 30 minutes before bedtime and then when you put them to bed open the door and turn the diffuser off I also made the same blend into a roll-on and I said to to my client I said roll this onto your son's clavicle before bedtime and then you know when you see that he's starting to ramp things up again or you need to go out publicly I had a follow-up with her maybe 10 days later she said things were improving And then probably another four weeks later, I went to a birthday party and this woman was there with her kids. And I said, how is your son? And she goes, oh, he's great. He's sitting over there watching TV. And I'm like, seriously, I, and he sat there so quiet. He was so polite. She said that stuff was like magic. And so she asked me to start blending it into like bubble bath. And so she would have, he would have it as a shower gel or a bubble bath and they just used it whenever they felt like things would ramp up. But she had told me at that party that they had gone out as a family for pizza the night before. And it was the first time they could be in a public place without incident. So those That's are the amazing. kinds of things that I work with. <laughs> That's amazing. So do you work just with people locally or are you doing things worldwide now as a result of, you know, everything? Uh, I tried opening it up nationally during COVID. It was too cost prohibitive to do that. Um, and there's a disconnect in instruction. I like to be able to put a blotter in front of the nose of a child and see that child's reaction. 
but you can't really do a lot for somebody unless you know their medical history, you know, their medications, you know, you have a really good sense of what their, um, their issues are. And you can't do that from somebody doing it in a Facebook chat. Do you also provide aromatic support for the parents? I do. It, it translates to the whole family. The child that they're bringing to me is just the center of, of care. But, you know, the siblings have their own. Oh, my gosh. The siblings go through an awful lot. And the parents, especially the mothers, um, a lot of fathers, I find, um, can't handle it. And they just disappear out of the picture. And the moms are left to be single moms. They can't work because they have to be home with their child. You know, it's, you really do need to take their stress into consideration. You know, it's, it's, and it's becoming more prevalent. I mean, my son is 23 when he was diagnosed. Autism was prevalent in one in 168 children. And now it's one in 44. Can you say that one more time for the people in the back? In the back. Okay. So he's 23 now. So when he was six and he was diagnosed, the prevalence was one in 168. And now it's one in 44. One in 44 people are being diagnosed. Yes. Yes. And they're finding girls are not diagnosed as often. And a lot of them are diagnosed later in life. My husband has autism. He was diagnosed in his fifties, I have my, one of my best friends was diagnosed at age 48. Wow. It's hard. It's hard because I think a lot of, a lot of medical practitioners just lump everything under the banner of ADHD and throw everybody on Ritalin and there it, you can't do that. <laughs> wow. One in 44. Yeah. Okay. So without sharing too much personal information, do you have a favorite client story? You know, that story that, when you think about them, you're just reinvigorated with your love of aromatics and what they can do. Yes. Oh my gosh. And I'm probably going to cry. <laughs> and that's okay. This is a safe yeah. place, safe place to cry. <laughs> when I was working at the um, Markland Children's Home, um, I, I, you know, and I, I'm not proud to say this, but when I first walked in there and I saw the level of disability in, in the children, they were all nonverbal. And, um, some of them were blind or deaf. And I thought to myself, isn't the more humane thing to let them go. And then after I'd been there longer, I realized that the people that worked there were so special and how they wanted to improve the quality of life of these children that, and I really wanted to be part of that. So my very first day was quite the shock as I went in to meet the children that were going to be a part of our study. And there was a girl named Linda. And I remember Linda just laying in a bed, not moving. She could, she didn't focus on anything, not because she couldn't see, but she was just vacant. Like there was nothing, nothing there. And they told me that she doesn't move and that it's hard for the nurses to move her because she had like this brittle bone thing going on. So they could easily break her arm if they tried to say roll her over. Right. And she had a dermatographism where you could like write on your skin and it would stay in your skin for a little while. And she was always in pain. She was so sensitive to everything that she was always in pain with every little movement. And when I met her, I remember speaking to her. She didn't respond, but I was wearing this bracelet 
that was given to me by Jennifer Jeffries. And it was a jade bracelet that was carved out and, and for lack of a better descriptor, it was like a tampon that was shoved in it that you would put essential oils into the little crevices and it would hold the oil. And I had a blend that had like lime and grapefruit and I think maybe Elang Elang or something was in there. And when I couldn't get a reaction out of her, I put my wrist near her nose and she actually tilted her head back and then reached forward and opened her mouth as if to eat. Oh my gosh. And the nurses were stunned because they said that is the most movement they had ever seen out of her, but it gets better because over time I I learned more about Linda they, they would try to bathe her and she would scream the whole time. She didn't like her hair to be touched. So she, they couldn't wash it and comb it and or do anything with it. And so it would be a real ordeal for the, the CNAs and the nurses to take care of her. And so I put, a, I put a blend together just for her and I put it in shampoo and conditioner. I put mm. it in bath wash and I put it in a roll on and in a hand lotion And all of the kids got massages at least once a week, if not twice. And she got hand massages because that's the only touch that she could tolerate. And over time, like, like, and we used an inhaler. I did an inhaler with her blend. And whenever they had to move her from bed to wheelchair or change her position, they would let her inhale from the inhaler. And they would wait a few minutes and then they would move her and she would cry less. Mm. So to wrap this story up, um, this occurred over a 14 month period. And by the end of the year, the first year, the first 12 months, she was able to sit on a bus and go on field trips. And she was able to, you know, as you're driving, you know, you, you lock in on say a tree or a car. And then your head moves with it as it's like driving by. She could do all of that and focus on things. And she would not scream in pain. And then we had one of the assessors come in from Berkeley who um, they wanted to introduce her to. And they had the whole team there. And he was trying to get her to look over her right shoulder and then center and then over her left shoulder. And she couldn't do it without being in pain. Mm -hmm. And so the nurse, I was there, you know, gathering data, you know, updating my charts. And she said, Laura, Laura, we need Linda's inhaler. Can you bring it over here? And I did. And they just waved it under her nose and they waited and then they did it again. And then they asked her to look over her right shoulder and she could do the movements without pain. And then the very last day, which was two months later. So 14 months later, this is where I'm going to lose it. She was sitting in a wheelchair. And the administrator of the facility had to talk to her because legally she was an adult. She was in her 20s now. And her mother no longer wanted to be her caregiver, her guardian. And so she was going to become a a guardian of her aunt. And they had to explain this to her. And they had to get some sort of reaction from her to make sure she understood. And so we used the inhaler with her. And as the administrator talked to her. She moved from in front of her wheelchair around the back and Linda followed her as far as she could turn over one shoulder. And then when she came around the other side, she came back to center and then went left and then followed her around to the front. And she said, do you understand what I've said to you? And she said, yes. 
first time she spoke. <laughs> wow. So that is that is the one story that makes me go, oh my God, I'm so glad I do what I do. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. That's really exciting. <laughs> but what are you working on right now? You know, I, like I said, education and sharing information um, are, you know, two things that are really important to me in aromatherapy. And, you know, we had talked a little bit before the interview and I had said to you that, you know, I was kind of feeling like I needed to find a new purpose that was within my old purpose. And um, I had a passion project that I really wanted to start that got sidetracked a little bit. And then all of a sudden it just came together a couple of weeks ago and I'm really excited about it. I have partnered with, or my journal, the IJPHA has partnered with the Franklin Health Research Center. And we have put together a case study collaborative. I have always wanted to, because case studies are their own set of research. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you have like six case studies on the same subject using the same oil, you've you've got a case series. And then case series can become clinical study, which can become so on and so on and so on, right? So I think case studies are a good foundation for our practice, for our evidence base, because people are so reluctant to write them or have this hesitation. Um, the good people at Franklin have put together a survey that allows you to just fill it out, just answer the questions. But in the background, what you're doing is writing a case study. So it's twofold. Yes. The benefit of this is twofold. Okay. When I get a copy of the case study or the, the results of the survey from, you know, that somebody submits, I can look at it and I can help that person refine this into a publishable case study. Um, so, and then the rest, all of them will go into a database that will be accessible to everyone. In the background, um, Franklin Health Research has put together specific data points within this survey. So from the data collected, they can do meta-analysis on say lavender for headaches or um, essential oils for anxiety or whatever. And more research papers can be created out of that collective data. And the nice thing is if, if people are still nervous, even with all that, if they're still nervous, you can submit anonymously. It doesn't, you, you know, a paper might not be published, but you will still be adding to that pool of knowledge. And isn't that what we're all about? Growing that pool of information will be so beneficial for everybody in our community. Absolutely. The other thing I'm really excited about is we're doing an all experiential issue. The topic is scent in art and scent as art. Throughout the journal, there will be paintings and poems, QR codes that will link you to videos to see moving art. There's scent pouches that are attached to certain pages where you can see the moving art through the video and smell the aroma that goes with that piece of art. So it's kind of enveloping you in the experience. There's also links to attach to videos about some of the artists where you can see them doing their work and, and learn more about why they do what they do. I, I'm really excited for it. Uh, yeah, I'm excited <laughs> for it. <laughs> okay, so we're almost we're almost running out of time, but I'm I'm I want to know who who is inspiring you. You're inspiring people all around you with your journal, with what you're doing with the people group that you help. You know, I, I mean, I get my inspiration from a lot of different people, but I think at my core, my, my first person who ever inspired me 
was Beatrix Potter, the creator of Peter Rabbit. And I had read her biography when I was eight years old. It was a book called Nothing is Impossible. What I, I really... I really love about her is this is a person that grew up with a lot of, she was kind of cloistered. She had, there was a lot of adversity, maybe not a lot of kindness. I, I find that with her, she overcame that adversity through her creativity. She shared that creativity with children and then with so many more people beyond that. You know, she had her, her tragedies with, you know, the death of her fiance and then she got remarried, but in the end, she she was independent. She was feisty. She she did what she did for the greater good, and she used her money, her money, not her husband's money, but her money, to buy up more and more land around her property, which is now part of the National Trust. It's a big conservancy because she wanted those lands in England in the Lake District to be protected. I I, I think her life is remarkable, and so she's she's the person that inspires me still. And then as we close out, I always like to just let you have the last word. Is there any um, inspiring words or anything that you would like to leave the listeners with? Well, I'll leave you with a quote that's been helping me through for probably the last six or seven weeks or so. Um, I was watching a movie called Dumplin'. I recommend it if you're feeling marginalized, right? But but the line was, uh, it was a quote from Dolly Parton that said, figure out who you are and do it on purpose. That's beautiful. Thank you so much, Laura. Sure. You're welcome. Thank you. I don't know about you, but I can hear Dolly's voice in that lovely, severe accent telling all of us to figure out who you are and do it on purpose. I am so glad that you joined me today to hear from Laura Cantelli. Laura is simply an amazing person and a phenomenal aromatherapist serving the autistic community. What did you think about her client story? I was a little choked up as she shared about Linda and her transformation. It is so important for us to remember that we have been provided everything that we need. Aromatics are just one modality that can help us live our best life. Aromatic Chat is produced by Lemon Balm Coaching. As your life coach, I work closely with you to guide you through your own transformation from being an unemotional wreck to developing connections within yourself and with others. I want to let you know that over at Buy Me A Coffee, you have an opportunity to hear the full unedited interview with Laura Cantelli in Behind the Aromatic Scenes. You can also support Aromatic Chat at buymeacoffee.com slash aromaticchat. Would you be open to taking a moment to leave a review for the show on Apple Podcasts, pod chaser, or even Facebook, your five-star review makes it possible for new listeners to find the show and connect with the aromatherapist that meets their needs. Speaking of Facebook, Aromatic Chat has its own Facebook page where I tell you a little bit about each upcoming episode before it airs. So head over to Facebook if you're on Facebook and give me a like, follow, and even share with your family and friends. You can connect with me, your holistic, transformational life coach and registered aromatherapist on the web at lemonbalmcoaching.com. I will see you next time with our next episode. Until then, peace, love, and aromatics. Hey friends, I want to introduce you to Blend Precisely, the software business toolkit for aromatherapists, herbalists, and formulators. 
When I first started out as a practitioner, I used spreadsheets, Word documents, my calculator, all of my safety books. And that was before I ever opened up a single bottle of essential oil to create a blend. Seriously, it took at least 20 to 30 minutes for every single blend that I made for my clients or my family. Whether you're a seasoned practitioner or you're just starting out, Blend Precisely will take the guessing out of the safety issues and let you focus on creating beautiful blends with ease. No more using multiple different programs to get your blends ready to go safely and effectively. Everything is calculated for you inside Blend Precisely. Dilution, percentages, chakras, perfumery notes, pricing, milliliters, ounces, grams, and more. Blend Precisely incorporates Tisserand's safety information so you never have a question again. There's no more guessing. One toolkit for everything. The best part about Blend Precisely is that it's not just a program that you sign up to use and then have no support. There is constant support from the creators Katrin and Seth Burkholz. They have videos every week on their Facebook page, YouTube channel, and they even have a Facebook group for members of their community. I want you to know that Blend Precisely has a 14-day free trial. I suggest that you sign up for the trial, pull out some of your favorite blends, and input them into the program and see what happens. Maybe even create a few new ones. Maybe even create some stock blends. And see how Blend Precisely can support you in your aromatic life and business. I'm sharing with you my affiliate link to try out Blend Precisely risk-free for 14 days. Just click on the link to check out the software business toolkit for aromatherapists, herbalists, and formulators. And then use this toolkit to blend precisely. 